0: We're about a week away from the SWAG MEAC Challenge, which means we should be finding out who Jackson State's starting quarterback is very soon. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on family welcome back to another episode of the locked on hbcu podcast your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor and current contributing writer at usa today's saints wire but i appreciate you for making Locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day every day and going on this journey with me. Just remember, just because the mic cuts off, doesn't remember that doesn't mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives, starts with an S, ends with an S. Today's episode ends off with Morehouse's new athletic director and why this is actually kind of interesting because he's never done this before. Before we get into that, we are going to discuss the North Carolina Central Hall of Fame class. And before any of it, we kick off today's episode with a, I would say it's a million-dollar question, wouldn't you? When are we going to find out who Jackson State's starting quarterback is? Maybe you say that's the thousand-dollar question because the million-dollar question is, who is it? But when we find out who it is, is a very important question because we're only, what, eight days away? The Swag Meak Challenge is next Saturday. The next time you hear my voice after this, it's game week. I think it's about time that we find out who our starting quarterbacks in that matchup are going to be. We know one's going to be Corey Fields, but we have three Jackson State quarterbacks who it could be. When do we find out who that one is? Now, I do believe that we get that answer relatively soon. A, the game is eight days away. That's the first thing that needs to be acknowledged. The game is eight days away. So with the game being so soon, yeah, we're going to get the answer. There's two reasons that we might not know yet, because I think knowing now would be reasonable. But there's two reasons that we might not know yet. And one is maybe it's a tactic. Maybe it's real. Who knows? Maybe they really don't know who it is. But I'd rather focus on the tactic right now, so that we can get into what the real ramifications would be or the ramifications, if it were real, would be, because that's a little bit more, less of a conspiracy, right, a little bit more reality-based. um. But it could be a tactic in the sense that you want South Carolina State to know who they're preparing for. And that works, especially if Zai McDonald is not the answer at quarterback. If Zy McDonald is the answer, there's no film on him him anyway, so it's not really much that you can game plan for. But the tactic could be we have three quarterbacks, and you know that we have three quarterbacks that it could be. So if I just leave it at three out there until, I don't know, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe we don't even get an answer till right when the game starts. Maybe nobody knows because no one really needs to know outside of Jackson State. The media doesn't need to know these answers. It does nothing for us other than give us stuff to write about, us stuff to talk about, stuff to tweet about, it gives us a little bit more insight, but it does nothing for Jackson State to reveal that information. So it could be a tactic in that sense. And I know I kind of said, less re, uh, less rooted in reality, shout out rooted in reality, my guy Tyler, Ty.Banz, IG, But I know I said it's a little bit less rooted in reality, but the fact that, or the idea of it being a tactic I think it's very real. I think it would be even smart to be honest. Right? So, but let's get into the idea of them actually not knowing who it is. These are the three quarterbacks that we have as of the presser on August the 9th or August the 8th. It was after one of the, I think it's one of the scrimmages. I believe it was, but TC Taylor came up and he had a, you know, gave a presser about it and it was Jason Brown, Jacoby and Morgan, and then also Zion McDonald. So those are the three guys Brown, Morgan, and McDonald. As I said, McDonald has no sort of experience on the collegiate level. None of them have experience with Jackson State, but you can be able to get a read on Morgan because you've seen him at Syracuse. You can get a read on Brown because you've seen him at St. Francis. Like you can get some information, but if you spend your time looking at all of them, you never know who to dedicate all of your time to. However, I just wanted to touch back on that real quick. But we're focused on them really not knowing the answer. He said that he's encouraged because all of the guys are playmakers. And he has also encouraged those said playmakers at quarterback to lean on their playmakers at other positions as well. Um, It's a lot of coach speak from TC Taylor. You know, it's, it's really not saying much. The guy that the team rallies around will be the starter. They've all looked good. You know, he, you know, he did give them a nod of being playmakers, but like I said, he did also tell them to lean on their playmakers at other positions. It's really not much to read into here. Now, Offensive coordinator Harris did say that one was stepping away with it at the beginning of August. He did say there's one guy who has stood out. You would assume it's one of the three, but the question only becomes have the other two caught up in the ground. Is that one guy that was referenced August 1st, still standing out August 18th. Those are the questions that we don't really know, but those are the questions that I would like to find out soon. Right? So, I'm looking towards the upcoming game and I'm thinking you have to have a decision made. We've discussed on this show before what happens when you don't have a decision made and how it means two things. Either it means you don't have a good option or you have too many good options. That being said, I don't think you go into the season with three guys. You're not going to do a three man rotation at the quarterback position. Maybe if it was two players I could see them doing that. But at three, that feels a little bit too jumbled. So either one's going to bow out or one's going to stand out. That's the only two options. I do not see a three-man rotation going into the Swag Miak Challenge or into the Orange Blossom Classic for Jackson State. So whether that is Jacoby and Morgan, whether that is Jason Brown, whether that is Zy McDonald, I expect to see one of those guys starting – Honestly, I th- I don't even see a two-man rotation. I expect to see one of those guys starting the whole game at the Swag Meak challenge. Brown's experience would make me think that all of the cliche things that Coach TC is saying right now, the be a playmaker but lean on your other playmakers, it would make me think his experience gives him the edge in that. Being the most experienced does not make you the best, but I'm not there to see what these quarterbacks look like, and they don't have too much He's also the guy who actually played. He's been an all-conference player. So I would have to lean towards Jason Brown strictly based off of that without seeing what's going on in practice. So that's my little thing, but let's kill the back and forth and name the stinking quarterback sooner rather than later. But as we move forward, we're going to talk about a quarterback. He's not in college anymore, but he is going into the North Carolina Central Hall of Fame, and that is Malcolm Bell, along with a couple of other players that really does remind people one of the best eras in North Carolina Central football history. And we'll dive into that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And eBay Motors, honestly, it helps your car the same way that A coach helps the the roster on the football team. If you want a championship squad, you got to make sure you have the right parts. Got to make sure you have your quarterback, your left tackle, your defensive end, your cornerback, your wide receivers. You got to make sure you have everything, right? But with your car, if anything's going wrong, you can't go to the coach, but you can go to eBay Motors. And when you go to ebaymotors.com, all you have to do is put your car in the My Garage section, and when you do that, only parts. That fit your car will pop up for you. Right fit, guaranteed. If it doesn't, money back, no questions asked. eBayMotors.com. 120 million parts. Don't say that they don't have something for you because I don't like it when you lie to me. Go to eBayMotors.com. It's simple and plain. The eBay Motors Guarantee Fit is only available to U.S. customers. eBay Motors. Let's ride. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day for my everydayers out there, we'll be back with some of the biggest news over the weekend, and we begin a game week next Monday. I cannot wait. But before we do that, let's go ahead and wrap up Friday. Can't get to Monday without finishing Friday, right? So the North Carolina Central Hall of Fame class really does illustrate a fantastic time to be a North Carolina Central Eagle. And I don't mean this in the sense of every Hall of Fame because every Hall of Fame goes over the best moments, and this was great, and this was this person's great moments. Of course, they go over some of the best eras and they reflect on the glory days, but I don't mean that. I mean, when you look at the members of this specific Hall of Fame class, you have Ryan Smith, you have Carl Jacobs, and you have Malcolm Bell, all three football players who should remind you of a fantastic time to be an Eagle fan On the gridiron. Now, when you look at the names, of course, Malcolm Bell is going to be the first one that jumps out. He's going to be the first one that jumps out. But between 2012 and 2016 were when these three men were on the roster. Now, Smith was there from 2012 to 2015, so he did leave a year early, earlier than the others. But Jacobs and Bell were there from 2013 to 2016. Why this moment and why this era? was so special is because 2014, 2015, and 2016, the North Carolina Central Eagles won the MEAC championship in all three of those seasons, right? And with that, you had 14 and 15 when all three of these players were together, and you had a three-peat, a stretch that I, I don't know if they can go on that again. That's going to that's gonna be difficult, right? That's, that's something that you feel like, man, you had to be there for. That's something that when it happens, you never count on it happening again. You can use, to my opinion, the most successful collegiate program of my lifetime, and that's the Alabama Crimson Tide. If they went on a three-peat, as good as they are, some of their fans, because some of their fans just be cocky, they just full of themselves. But a lot of their fans, the reasonable ones say, like, Man, look, I don't know if we're ever going to three peat like that again. You got to savor that, and that's what this moment represents. I want to start off my highlight of this class with Carl Jones. I called him Carl Jacobs, I think, earlier. My apologies for that. But Carl Jones was part of an offensive line between 2014 and 2016 that allowed two sacks. And I don't mean two sacks per year. That would already be impressive. If you only allowed two sacks each season, that'd be great. But I mean, in the totality of three seasons, over 2,200 snaps, they allowed two sacks. They basically, they allowed, an, they allowed a sack every thousand snaps. That is ridiculous. That is absolute dominance on the front line. And you have to go ahead and credit Malcolm Bell as well, which we will. But when you look at Carl Jones, he was the first All-American in over 20 years for the school. So he was one of the best at his position in the country. Then you look at Malcolm Bell, who the reason that I credit Bell for also not having sacks is because he was so mobile. It's because he was so effective within the pocket. And you look at him, he he was a dual threat on a level that North Carolina Central had not seen at that time. The first quarterback to have over 6,000 yards and also 1,000 rushing yards in a career. This guy was next level. Then you have Ryan Smith on the defensive side, who he has in the record books the most solo tackles. North Carolina Central history had the most or the best kickoff return average in North Carolina Central history he went on after the 2015 season to go into the NFL he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Bucks and he actually was able to get a uh he was able to get a Super Bowl ring so shout out to him he was able to get one of those wasn't happy about that Buck Super Bowl ring but if it means that Ryan Smith got one I guess we'll talk about it But also in addition to these three, because there were 10 inductees, nine individuals, one team. We spoke on three guys because they were all kind of connected and all linked together. But some of the others that I wanted to highlight were Ingrid Walker McCree, or excuse me, Ingrid Wicker McCree, who was a volleyball coach and a softball coach. She was a lady of first, to be honest. She brought them their first ever softball championship. And then also she's the first coach in school history to win a championship in multiple sports. Speaking of, first, you have the 2006 Women's Cross Country team, which was the first HBCU period to advance to the Women's Cross Country National Championships. And then lastly, I wanted to go ahead and highlight Danielle Johnson-Webb, who she was actually one of Coach McCree's players on the volleyball side. And in 2024, or 2024, 2004 and 2005, she was a part of back-to-back championships. In, t- in 2004, she was the – Conference MVP, conference tournament MVP. And then in 05, she was just the player of the year. So she was able to continue that momentum. So I wanted to highlight not only these ladies, but then also these guys who are also just kind of a memory of one of the best moments and best eras in North Carolina's central football history. So as we move forward, we're moving into a new era at Morehouse. They have the new athletic director. He's familiar to the school but not so familiar to the job. And we'll break down that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. And Morehouse has found their new athletic director. The Mo- the Maroon Tigers have moved on and they have hired Harold Ellis and they've been on the hunt for this job for three months since the end of May. And now we're at the end of August. So three months that they've been on this job since Curtis Campbell left after three seasons. Right. And he decided to go to Roanoke College. I'm going to briefly speak about Campbell's decision because I did think it was kind of interesting I found an article about it when looking up, you know, Harold Ellis's qualification, not qualification, but his resume, so to speak. But I find this interesting because he went back down to the D3 ranks. He called this a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's close to home. But this is big because, A, he's the first black athletic director in that school's history. So shout out to him. Right. Got to make some noise. And I know this might be old news for some but he's the first black athletic director in that school's history. And he's actually just the first new athletic director since 89. So this isn't a place that has had much change recently, but shout out to him for that. And then B, he mentioned it because players on the D three level aren't getting scholarships. And he says he loves the D three level because he knows all of the players are playing for the love of the game. I do agree. That's pretty pure. Um, But back to Ellis, back to Ellis, Ellis called this a full circle moment. Harold Ellis is a former Morehouse basketball player and not only just a basketball player, a legend, right? Averaged 24 points per game for his career. He was able to bring them into the excuse me. He was able to bring them into the 89-90 D2 final four. He retired after 92 or graduated after 92 and when he left, he had his jersey retired. The only jersey That Morehouse is retired. This is a legend in the sport and the things that he's done within the game of basketball. You know, they they do extend collegiate right Baller. He made it to the NBA. He's been a coach. He's been a general manager. He's been a director. He's been in the, the player personnel department. He's done a lot of things. But the one thing he has not done. Is he's never been an athletic director. And that's no knock on him. He's just never been an athletic director. That's not that's not his bag, right? But the reason this is fascinating is because I know they knew this, of course. And they went with it. And it feels right. I haven't heard anybody question it. I know for Morehouse it feels right. Sometimes things, I wonder if my voice changed when I wipe my nose like that. Things. <laughs> anyway. Sometimes you don't know why, but things just feel right you can't explain it it might not make sense from the outside looking in it might not even make sense to yourself when you try to explain it to someone else but in your heart you know it feels right you just know this is this is the route i need to go this is the this is the athletic director that i need to choose right and i think that's what happened with morehouse now they put out this quote they said ellis's knowledge expertise and passion for both sports and the institution has undoubtedly prepared him to lead Morehouse College's athletic program. As athletic director, we believe he will be a strong role model for our student-athletes, empowering them to excel in academics and athletics while instilling the values of sportsmanship, teamwork, and community service. That's all fine and dandy. You can say he loves the school. You can say he has a history with the school. You can say he embodies Morehouse basketball if you want to say that. I don't care. You can say he's a great man and a, a, a... a good person that you would want people to look up to. But what about the other stuff? What about the managerial stuff? And I think with that, you're hoping that some of his history where he has been a general manager for for a team in the World Basketball Association, he's been a part of basketball operations for the Pistons. He's been a part of, not only a part of, but the leader as the director of of player personnel for the Knicks. So you're hoping that all of those things translate. I think it's cool to have passion. I love the Saints. I promise you, I love the Saints. And I think I'm a pretty good guy. I think that if you have some nieces and nephews and they were looking at me doing whatever I'm doing, they should look up to me. I think I'm a solid guy in that way, right? R- well principled. That being said, and I understand it's a little different because I'm not, those, those players aren't looking up to me. But the point is, I think I also have some upstanding qualities. My passion and my upstanding qualities are not enough for me to be able to hold down that position. Same at Texas Southern. If you want to use people who might be able to look up to me, I think some of the school of communication people could probably look up to the mouth of the South, right? I think I'm all right. I think I'm doing all right for myself. I still couldn't run that communication department at my alma mater. I couldn't. No matter how much I love my school, no matter how much I feel like I could be an example for the younger generation, doesn't matter. There's more to it. There's more to it. But you know what? I ain't even fighting it because I'm kind of like Morehouse. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what he's done to earn that job. But it feels right. So good luck to you, Harold Ellis. I hope that your experience with the World Basketball Association your experience with the Pistons, with the Knicks. I hope that all of those things that you've done in leadership and managerial positions somehow have created the skill set necessary for you to be an athletic director because I'm there with Morehouse. It just feels right, and I can't even explain why. And I'm saying this from the outside looking in. I wonder what they're saying from the inside looking out to everybody else. But I'll tell you what I'm saying to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Much appreciation. Gratitude my side. Because I do appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back on Monday. Hopefully, I can tell you who Jackson State's starting quarterback is. Fingers crossed about that. I would love to be able to say that. But we'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.